Peter, continuing uh, the message. We're looking at 1 Peter, and today we're digging into 1 Peter chapter 3. And so I wanted to share um, a, a story uh, with you that I found this last week. It was an email chain that went back and forth between a woman and tech support. It says, Dear Tech Support, Last year I upgraded from Boyfriend 5.0 to Husband 1.0, and I noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall system performance, particularly in the flower and jewelry applications. And in addition, Husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs, such as Romance 9.5, Personal Attention 6.5, and then installed undesirable programs such as TV News 3.0 and Basketball Game 4.1. Conversation 8.0 no longer runs. Please note that I have tried installing and running Nagging 5.3 to fix these problems, but to no avail. What do I do? Signed, Desperate Woman. Dear Desperate Woman, first, keep in mind that Boyfriend 5.0 is entertainment package while husband 1.0 is an older more reliable operating system try to download tears 6.5 6.2 if this application works as designed husband 1.0 should then automatically run the applications jewelry and flowers 2.0 however remember that overuse of this application can cause a a default to silence 2.5. Whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, install mother-in-law 1.0. It runs a virus in the background that will eventually seize control of all your system resources. In summary, you might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. So I wanted to share something that got you laughing just a little bit before we dug into our scripture this morning. Um, because as we look at this, another cartoon that I found in Leadership Magazine, um, it, it showed the pulpit and it showed a World War II style bunker uh, behind it. And it shared the preacher standing kind of bent down saying, today's scripture will be 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Um, if any of you are familiar with this scripture, you'll understand why none of you are laughing at that. Um, but I'm not, I don't need a bunker. I don't need to stand just behind a pulpit because I know that if we preach the word of God, the truth will be shared. And that's what we are going to look at here today. So before we dig into the scripture, I want to give you some preliminary uh, points about what we're going to be reading. The context that we're looking at in first Peter chapter three, verses one through six, the context deals with how a Christian wife can witness to a husband who is not saved yet. That's very important to understand. So when we read this, some of you are dealing with that exact situation right now. You long for your mates to come to know your faith. And I pray that this passage will give you hope. Godly hope for a godly plan in how you may win your husband to faith. You see, a good marriage is more than just being with the right person. It's about being the right person as well. You see, if you're single also, I want you to determine that you will 
look at what scripture has to say and that you will find yourself with the right person because paul talks about this in second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 he says clearly do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers find someone who is spiritually matched to you also another point that we can see here is some of you are single you're divorced and you're widowed and you're ready to shut me out You're ready to tune me out. Hey, we can go home because I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to focus on this. But one of the things that we see coming directly from Scripture is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It says, let marriage be held in high honor among all. Among all of us. We should see this passage as being very important to all of us. And that's very important because in the society that we live in, marriage is no longer honored. It's deemed as demeaned, denounced, and discouraged by many. Marriage is being ridiculed all around us. It's being redefined. But God declares that marriage is between one man and one woman and that it is meant for life. This passage does not contain all that Scripture has to talk about marriage as well. And that's very important for us to understand because you're going to say, well, Travis is defining this and he's saying that this is what Scripture has to say. This is what first Peter has to say. This is what Peter has to say. And this morning, we're only going to look at six verses. Because he actually deals a lot with the men in verse 7. And we're going to talk about that next week. And that's something that I want us to talk about as well. I also want to say that if you are in an abusive or a dangerous relationship, if you need prayer in your relationship, seek help. Talk to myself or one of the elders, we would love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you. And if you're in one of those dangerous situations, we want to help you through that. Also, while these are six verses are directed at wives, in First Peter chapter 3, there's only one verse that's directed at men. But it's very important for us to be able to understand that in order to have integrity in a marriage, verse 7 has to be understood. And that's important for us to understand. And I will tell you that I read and I reread and then I read again and I applied and I worked on next week's message before I even put this one together. Because we have to understand men, husbands, we have to understand who God has called us to be. For our wives to be able to do what we're going to read in this section of scripture, we have to make sure as husbands, as men, that we are doing our due diligence to follow our responsibility as well. And as I said, originally I was going to take and just try to cram all of this into one message and I would just focus on husbands and wives in one message. The problem with that is, is I feel like I wouldn't have been able to do it justice or keep you here way too long um, if I tried to do both of them in one. So next week, wives, make sure you get your husbands here. Because they need to hear what is going to be said to them. If you ever ask me, are you going to direct a sermon? I, I have people say to me on the way out the door, Travis, that what, what you just preached was directed right at me. Did you do that? Nope. Next week, guys, I will direct that sermon directly at you. All of you. So know that you need to come. Wives, it doesn't mean you get the Sunday off. Okay? Because you still have to come and, and be a part of it. Because when we talk about marriage, it is a focus on the whole family. And that's very important for us to be able to understand. And again, 
as we read in Ephesians chapter 4, um, and if you are, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter 5, um, it, Paul digs heavily in on the men and the husbands in that relationship and what their duties are. Actually, Peter is giving more attention here to the wives because as we've talked about in the first century where Peter was writing to these women, and, and, and to the whole church, there was a lot of, of suffering that was happening. There was suffering that was happening to Christians, but also, importantly, he was saying, wives, if you want to win your husbands, this is what you can do. And so with that, let's dig in and read verses 1 through 6. Peter says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on and of, of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your Adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So we see uh, right away in this, this is the third instance of the word submission or submitting or here we read to be subject. And as we've talked about over the course of the last three weeks, submission isn't something that we like. Not just talking to wives. We don't like that word period, right? Men, we're going to talk about that next week. For, so for four weeks, we're going to talk about this word, submission. As Americans, we don't like this word because it's not something that we think we should have to do. I should not be underneath of anyone's authority. No one should be able to tell me what to do. Well, if your mom would have spanked you, your dad would have spanked you as a kid, then you'd be better off right now, but we're not going there. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I, I was I was whooped and it straightened me out for the most part um anyways i don't know that that was a squirrel that i chased um but we were told to be submissive what what, what we were called to do three weeks ago we were told that we would be good citizens right and last week it was that we would be good employers or good employees and now this week we're going to focus in on this again now, as we look at this, the main idea this morning that I want us to see is that spouses are called to serve one another. The word likewise, he says here, he says, likewise wives. Well, this not only takes us back to the previous subjects that we're talking about, but in particularly, he's going to focus on what was at the very end of chapter 2. And what was at the very end of chapter 2? And it was Christ submitting to God. It was Christ saying, I will surrender over to the Father and I will do your will. And you see, if we're doing, if we're submitting the way that Christ surrendered over to his Father and did his Father's will, this will help us in so many ways. Our Savior handled suffering in such an amazing way. And so let's dig in and let's look at, I, I found six 
uh, ways that wives can work at winning their husband, uh, their unbelieving husbands to Christ. Number one, by being submissive to your husband. That's what we read. Look at verse one. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. The word subject means to voluntarily line up for the sake of order. The primary idea is giving up one's own rights. We talked about this last week and I I gave you the definition to rank yourself under someone else in order to lift them up and build them up. It's an attitude of cooperation because marriage moves into chaos so quickly. If we just kind of do our own thing, then a marriage can just devolve into chaos so quickly. It's not so much subservience as it is a willing to line up under the husband's leadership. It's also a command that's in the present tense, meaning that it's something that we consistently do. It's a continual practice. But I want to be very clear, because some of you are already sitting on your edge. Or you... It does not mean that husbands are better than wives that's never what we read in scripture it's a matter of the roles in a relationship you see according to ephesians chapter 5 husbands are to provide loving leadership following the example of christ and you see that's again the important thing this isn't about being submissive and husbands having this big head saying yeah that's right travis preached it he says you have to submit to me Good luck with that. Um, doesn't even happen in my own house. So let's, you know, that, that's not the attitude that it has to be, right? It's the husband saying, I have submitted to the Lord and I am doing what Christ is doing and I am loving you as my wife the way that Christ loved the church. And because as a husband, I love you the way that Christ loved the church, it will be a willingness to say, I will follow you. I will be willing to be submissive to you. Listen, husbands and wives, very, very important. They are equal before God. They are not identical. Very important difference. We have our own distinct differences, but we are equal before the Lord. As we've established in previous messages, the key to developing a spirit of submission is to be first surrendered and submitted to the Lord. If all of us are surrendered and submitted to the Lord, then we will have no problem being able to do so, whether it be being a citizen and we submit to the government or whether it be being good employees or now as we're talking about, as Peter is talking to the wives. To say it another way, You will not be able to submit to anyone unless you have first submitted to the Savior. Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Again, submission will always be a struggle because the tension isn't something new in the last five years. The tension isn't something new that's just in the last 50 years. We've had the women's rights movement and all of a sudden now the church wants to to try to make women submit. No, it doesn't even go back to what Peter said here in the first century. 
We have to go all the way back, not just to the Old Testament, but to the very beginning of the Old Testament, to the very beginning of time. Go back to Galatians, or go back to Genesis chapter 3. Right after the creation, this is what we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. The New Living Translation says, And you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. Very, very clear, very, very stated. This isn't something new that we've just come up with. It's always been something that will be a struggle. Sometimes Christian wives believe the worldview that submission is a curse. It's not a curse. Actually submitting to your husbands is designed to be a blessing. God has lovingly established a framework of order and authority and extends right here into the family. And that's so important for us to see. You see, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25, marriage is intended to reflect Christ in the church. The Bible clearly teaches that as the church submits to Christ, wives are to submit to their husbands. It is a picture of his relationship with the church. Not a curse on the church, but a relationship with the church. That's all sounds all well and good, but what does that mean for wives? Do they have a say in the marriage? Ladies, wives, do your thoughts, your points of view, do they even matter? Does it mean that your husband's con- that your husband controls you and has to treat you without dignity? You see, what we see is that we wives have a lot to offer. Women and men and women, they can speak better than me. Women and men are both created in the image of God. He has chosen to give women gifts, abilities, intellect, insights, and ideas. Husbands, you would do well to listen to them, to hear them out, to understand what they bring to the table. You see, the trouble of comes when there's disagreements though, right? If everything is just going all right and everything is going great and all of, all of the things in the house are just working perfectly and there's not a leak in the faucet in, in your, in your bathroom and, and all of a sudden, you know, everything just, and all the money is coming into play. I just realized she's in here and heard that. Um, <laughs> if everything's going great and perfect, then everything, it's smooth. But then a disagreement comes into play. Like this last Wednesday, all of a sudden, everybody was, you know, all in uproar about who should be in the top four of the college football playoffs. And everybody was mad that LSU wasn't number one because they had a better resume and Ohio State's number one. And, and, and oh my goodness, Clemson was left out of the top four. They haven't played anybody. But all of a sudden, they're left out. And oh my goodness, and, and all of this debate started to happen. All of that was settled on the field, right? LSU's number one. Nick Staven is 0-2 against OSU quarterbacks. Just saying. And it all works out. Clemson's back in because everybody else lost in front of them. 
But when there's disagreements, that's when there's problems, right? And debate starts happening in all of these fronts. You see, there will be disagreements. And that's where we have to allow the submitting and the love to come into play that Paul talks so much about in Ephesians. Husband, love your wives. Respect them. Give them the credit that they do. And when that happens, wives, submit. There's a a Bible study called Entrusted uh, with a Child's Heart by Betsy Corning. And she addresses this head on. She says, if you come to a point where you just cannot agree and your husband is not asking you to sin, then you are to yield your will to his. This is God's perfect design. This may be a shocker to you, but Teresa and I don't always agree on everything that happens. We don't always see eye to eye on every single thing that happens. And we have to talk it out. And there's times that we have to disagree. And again, please hear me on this. Teresa submitting to me is not something that comes naturally to her. She's like, are you sure? And when she does that, I have to stop and I really have to give it serious consideration and thought. It's a process of intentionally trusting God. It's work. It's a choice. It's following God's way of moving forward as one in a marriage. I love this quote. The man may be the head of the household, but the woman is the neck. And she can turn the head whichever way she pleases. So the first thing that we have to settle, if you're serious, ladies, wives, if you are serious about winning your husband to Christ, you must submit. Secondly, be pure in your conduct. We see this in the second part of verse 1. It says, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Sometimes words can get in the way, especially when a wife is coming on too strong spiritually. Someone put it this way, unspoken Acting is more powerful than unperformed speaking. It was Ralph Waldo uh, Emerson who said, Who are you? Uh, who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. And then the famous master mime, Marcella, once was asked what the difference was between regular acting and pantomime. He says, in the case of a bad actor, the words are there even if the actor is no good. But when a mime is no good, there is nothing left. A mime must be very clear and very strong. You see, while the temptation may be to talk incessantly about spiritual matters because you long for your spouse, you long for your husband to come to know the Lord... All of that incessant talking, showing the scripture, saying this is what you need to do. This is what Jesus says. It can actually become an irritation. And we have to be so, so careful with that. Proverbs 21 verse 9 says, It is better to live on a corner of a roof than in a house with a contentious woman. Maybe I should duck behind the bunker on that one. 
Be careful. It is your actions that will speak so loudly and so clearly. Sometimes those words get in the way. Verse 2 tells, tells us that your husband is watching you. He's watching you. He may not be listening. He may not hear what you're saying, but he's watching you. This is what we read in verse 2. It says, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. The word see is that of being an eyewitness, that of a, a spectator at a sporting event. Wives, when you're living pure lives, your husband will notice. He will pay attention. Unbelieving husbands can be won to Christ by pure conduct of their wives. Number three, by showing respect. Since husband's primary need is for respect, when a wife gives it to him, she is following what God says and is fulfilling what her man truly needs. Again, we check out Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. If you need some practical help on this, there's a couple of books that I love to use. And I've read them. I've, I use them in marriage counseling and so forth. Um, the one is called Love and Respect by the Igricks. And also I recommend The Love Dare by Kendrick. The fourth thing that we can see is by inner beauty. You want to win your husband to the Lord? Do it by inner beauty. While there's nothing wrong with looking nice, Christian women are called to cultivate the heart. We see this in verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is god's sight which in god's sight is very precious the word that is used here in the greek for adorning is cosmos we get the word cosmetics from it and i did some reading this last week about um, the way in which women dressed in the roman empire and it was actually in roman law that you were what you wore People would make judgments based on how a person looked. Same way today, right? Yeah. The hallmark of a married woman was modesty, while other women, especially prostitutes, would dress very provocatively. Over time, even married women started to dress immodest. And so Peter is calling wives to not focus just on the physical, but instead to foster the spiritual by the way, as a favor to men, women, can I call you to please watch what you're wearing? Think about what it is that you're putting on. You want men to see you and to respect you. Be careful in what you wear. You wear sweatpants or tights that say juicy across your butt and then get mad when someone's staring at it. You're wearing a shortcut blouse. Be careful with what you're wearing. I had a friend, uh, he was my roommate in college, and uh, he had some trouble with his grades uh, in college. So um, he was um, suspended for a semester. And so he wanted to continue with his degree. So um, he enrolled in Cincinnati at a place called God's Bible College. 
And they were extremely strict on what you were and weren't allowed to wear. Um, women, women and men couldn't wear their wedding bands, even if they were married. Um, women had to have their hair in a bun at all times, or it had to be cut above the shoulder. Um, no makeup was allowed to be worn. No jewelry was allowed to be worn. No earrings, no nothing. Um, women had to be in dresses or skirts that went below the knee. Um, men had to wear long pants only and had to have a collared shirt on, or they would, during the wintertime, allow them to wear, um, a sweater. Their hair had to be extremely cut and neat. And he had a real problem with those things. Um, because, but again, they were taking it directly from scripture. Another, uh, case that, that I remember, uh, Teresa, it was my very first church that I had, um, and uh, we worked at an inner city YMCA, uh, the Gamble Nippert YMCA in Cincinnati. And uh, the young lady, she, she had the 12 and 13 year old girls. And they loved to braid hair. They loved to put it in cornrows. And they were really good at what they did. So they asked Teresa if they could do her hair, if they could put it in cornrows. And so she allowed them to do it. And uh, just a side note, um, she burnt her scalp where they had put it into the cornrows, it, it was really bad. Um, but we went to church that Sunday. And uh, after the service was over, I was called in to talk to two of the elders. And uh, I was informed that um, Teresa was not allowed to come back to the church as long as she had her hair in those cornrows. And I said, that's fine. Um, if that's the case, next Sunday... Um, I need an announcement made that women were not allowed to wear any makeup or jewelry and their hair had to be put up. Um, Teresa was back next week with the cornrows, by the way. We take scripture sometimes so literally that we miss out on what's really being said. And another, that, that's another one of these cases. Ladies, be careful in what you wear. Men, watch what you wear too. Some of these skinny jeans that y'all are wearing, stop it. I'll leave it at that. But watch what we're wearing. If we want to, wives, if you want to win your husband to Christ, watch your conduct. Have respect. Show the inner beauty that is there. I, I, I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, be known for beauty that comes from within. Be known from the beauty that comes from within. It's not about all the Botox. It's not about all of the makeup, surgeries. Again, just a, a side note. I have two children. I have a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old. I didn't forget about you, Justin, but you don't wear makeup. Um, but... I have two young ladies in my house. And I know you have young ladies in your house. You have uh, cousins. You have nieces. You have granddaughters. Because of what is seen on TV, because of what we see on the internet, TV, models that are airbrushed to look a certain way, our young ladies and even ladies who are sitting in here today, you think you have to look a certain way to be accepted by the world. That's hogwash. You show your inner beauty. 
And that is the way that a man will be one to the Lord. Not by what's only on the outside. Very, very important. I love what Proverbs 11.22 says. Um, Solomon says, As a ring of, a, of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman without discretion. Next, Peter says that the beauty of a, a gentle and quiet spirit is incorruptible and it will not fade. I love the word gentle here. It's, it's part of the ninefold fruits of the spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5. And it literally means strength under control. Jesus was also said to be gentle. Meaning that he could have just wiped us all out if he wanted to. When the pain started to come to Jesus, he could have said, enough. I mean, he did that um, when, when he silenced the waters and the sea and, and the, the storm that was happening. He just spoke. He said, quiet, be still. And it was. And he could have just done away with all of it. But it, he was gentle. It was strength under control. Ladies, be strength under control. And then we read that word, be quiet. And we're like, oh, here he goes again. Submissive, being quiet. No, no, no. I want you to understand what it means. Not given to outbursts of wrath. It means to be tranquil, not combative. I am blessed to have a wife who exhibits both of these virtues. Gentle and quiet. Now, does she speak up? <laughs> yes, because she is strength under control. And she lets me know. And she is quiet, meaning that she's not combative. But if I've done something wrong, again, she lets me know. Peter continues to say that these qualities are very precious in the sight of God. You see, God puts extraordinary value on a woman who cultivates her inner beauty, not just the outward appearance. So here's a question to ponder. What are you focusing your attention on? Is it just the external? Or are you focusing in on that internal beauty as well? Number five, by trusting God. By trusting God. Peter takes it, uh, the next example of Sarah that we find in the Old Testament. She's, it, it says here, Peter says, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting their own to, to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, the key here is that Sarah trusted God. She submitted to her husband, even when she really thought he was off his rocker a couple of times. We know Sarah was a knockout because we read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 11, that she was a woman of beautiful continence. But what set her apart is that she adorned herself with inward beauty. She determined to follow, follow Abraham's God-given leadership, even when it didn't make sense. There were times that she went, Are you sure, Abraham? You want me to say that you're my what? But she listened and God blessed her because of it. Some of you wives have waited for a very long time for your husbands to be saved. Don't give up. Keep trusting. 
Keep focusing in on what God has to say. Follow your husband even when you're not for sure whether it's the right way to go. Because in your submission, you could win him to Christ. I love this. I found this quote last week. It said, patience isn't the ability to wait. It is how you behave while you're waiting. Let me read that one more time. Patience isn't the ability to wait. It's how you behave while waiting. And brings me to our final point here this morning. By doing good. No matter what happens, God wants wives to be doers of good, not evil. We read this in the last part of verse 6. It says, And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Again, a wife's witness comes primarily through works, not words. Proverbs 31 verse 12 says, She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. If you are a wife, are you committed to doing good for your husband? Proverbs 12 verse 4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. I want to reread that first part one more time. Because if you think, well, it's it, Travis is talking about being quiet and gentle and submitting, and I don't want to do those things. I want to reread what Solomon says. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. It's like a jewel, a ruby he talks about in another section. show you off all the days and again next week we're going to focus in on the husbands and we're going to talk about what we're supposed to do as we are being respectful as we are loving our wives but as we bring all of this together i want to be very very clear for some of you wives you you, you said i I've been doing these six things and he still hasn't given his life to Christ. What am I doing wrong? This isn't an all, uh, a be all, end all type of a situation. It's not if you do these six, six things that he'll become a Christian, but they're principles that we can live by. Some of you right now are feeling stuck where you're at. And as we bring all of this to a close here this morning, I want you to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I want you to know that God can... Right now, I want to talk to you men for just a second. Maybe you've been listening to this marriage, you've been listening to this message And you haven't been the husband that you're supposed to be as you've listened to me read off these six things. Maybe right now what you need more than anything is for prayer in your life because at lunch you need to say to your wife, I'm sorry. I will do better and I'll be here next week. 
you can come to the back and I'm going to be back there and a couple of the elders Jared will be back there with me and we'd love to pray with you to help you wives if you haven't really been the wife that you've been supposed to be and hey you, you need some prayer in your life as well we'd love to pray with you to help you through those steps but maybe it's this message that says I've never submitted first and foremost to the power of God to Jesus and I need to start with that and you need to give your life to Christ you can start by making that decision this morning as well if you need prayer in your life if you need someone to talk to if you need someone to pray with you come to the back whatever decision you make will you make it as together we stand and sing